Welcome to The Rock Podcast. On today's podcast, our visiting missionary, Pastor Sabet Kuj from South Sudan, shares with us the amazing things God is doing in the city of Tonj through their medical clinic and church planting ministries. For more information and to see some inspiring video footage from their ministry, visit www.indeedandtruth.org. Now for Pastor Sabet. All right, good morning again. Let's get started. Now, uh, most of you know the threefold mission of our church. If you don't, it's pretty easy. You can repeat after me teach, teach. preach, preach. and reach. Preach. Right? That's what we're all about here teaching the Word of God. That's number one, always. Teaching through the Bible and equipping Christians, and then preaching. Claiming the gospel, that's what we're all about, uh, that winning the lost and reaching to go into all the world like the Lord commanded us. And so our prayer has been, once the church got up and running, Lord, that's a big world. Lead us to people. We, I mean, uh, there's a lot of need out there. So which particular uh, people would you have us support? And the Lord has been so faithful. And Pastor Kuj is uh, part of that answer to that prayer. So a few years ago, Pastor Jim uh, came into my office. I was asking, hey, we got to reach out more. And uh, he said, hey, man, I found uh, this family that's doing a unique thing there in South Sudan. And they're Calvary Chapel affiliated. And uh, they teach through the word of God. And they, uh, uh, they're church planters who have a medical clinic that comes alongside that he oversees and that they provide uh, and not just uh, the gospel, but practical medical needs as well. And they support uh, other uh, pastors. And uh, it's been a delight to meet them. We've never met them face to face. We've been supporting them for a few years. But uh, uh, the first thing I wanted to tell him was when we met on Thursday, they've been here for it since Thursday. We've been uh, showing them around and having a lot of fun. And he's been ministering. They have been. And the first thing I wanted to tell him is, what a cool last name, Cooge, you know? I just love it. I want to call him Cooge, you know? And uh, better than Sabet. I mean, it's just, just a fun name. What's your name? Cooge. <laughs> That's awesome. And then in between bumper cars and super soakers at Scandia, I asked them the big question. What about snakes in Sudan? <laughs> and he said, oh, it's not like you Americans think. You picture uh, vipers hanging from every tree, you know. But we do have them, and they do bite people, and we do treat people for snake bites. And sometimes he's trying to downplay it for me. And, and then he says this. Sometimes they have to lose an arm, but... Sometimes they have to lose an arm. Yeah, that was comforting. I just, yeah. So seriously, 1 John 3.18, dear children, let's not just love with words only, but by good deeds and truth. And they're doing, they're the real deal. 
And that's why they're here. And uh, they're in a region of the world where it can cost you your life to do the work of the Lord Jesus. And we've seen that in the news this week as uh, a Sudanese woman was sentenced, pregnant, sentenced to a hundred lashes for committing adultery because she is married to a Christian who they don't recognize that as a true marriage and death by hanging for apostasy, for, leave, for not renouncing Christianity. She had three days to renounce, and she came back into the court and said, I'm a Christian. Wow. So he's right there. He's from that town. And so what a timely uh, event to have Pastor Cooch. Would you welcome him? Thank you. Brother. Thank you. I'm, I'm really so honored to be with you this morning. And uh, since we got here on Thursday with my family, uh, my wife Susie and my three kids, Hannah and Agum and Jed, we were so blessed. Uh, usually I don't get the time to have some fun. So the first thing they did, Pastor Jim and the staff here, they took me to Scandia. And... Uh, <laughs> That was really awesome. My, my son loved it. He got to play video games. and uh, So we're, we're really so honored. And uh, the blessing is already God is doing something big in your church. Because I see that. Because Jim, as you heard from Pastor Ross, that uh, from nowhere he calls me and he said, Hey, I want to come and I want to pray for you and hear about your ministry. And uh, uh, I, I was visiting in the state, and he flew to San Diego and came, just flew to see me. I felt so honored by that. So, and just that reflect your heart uh, for God's kingdom and for what he's doing, and uh, just for your heart for mission, not just here within your comfort reach, but even areas that you don't know about. Uh, let me uh, start with prayer, and then after that, we'll show a short video clip so that you have an idea, like where I come from and the things that we do. And we'll take it from there. Let's pray. Father, Lord, it's uh, an honor, Lord, to fellowship with your saints, Lord, and to be at your presence. There's nothing, Lord, more that we could desire than your presence among us. Speak to our hearts. Encourage us. May you be glorified, Lord, in every word, in every picture, in everything, Lord, in this service and in this church. We thank you, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to be sharing from the book of Acts, chapter um, 3, from verse 1 to 10, and then we'll see other verses in the chapter. And as you open that, I uh, wanted to... uh, uh, to just share a little bit about the country, South Sudan, if you hear the news, it just got independence recently in 2011, and it was very exciting, uh, 20 years of war came to an end, and uh, uh, the country started establishing itself, small infrastructure started coming on, and our national anthem, for the first time, we have our own national anthem, and it started with... Oh God, we praise you and glorify you for your grace upon South Sudan. And uh, it was amazing because the 20 years we are under North Sudan, 
and, uh, and it was a Muslim. The constitution was based on Quran, and they were squashing every, everybody. And for the first time, South Sudanese were able to have that freedom to worship, uh, worship the God that they choose and have freedom in that. Uh, but recently, in December uh, last year, uh, the dreams of many, many people, about 10 million people, were, ki- were brought to uh, a standstill because we had uh, a fight erupted in, in the country early December. And uh, in a span of one month, about 10,000 people were killed and uh, about a uh, million people were displaced. Uh, the reason I share this is because in the 20 years of war, the church here in America prayed for South Sudan and peace came, the government involved. Now we see ourselves slipping back to war again. But I, 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 I know God wants his church to pray uh, again from, uh, for South Sudan and the work that he's uh, doing there. Uh, people got displaced, as I say. Yeah. Being, being inside, there's so many challenges, you know. Uh, as you've seen in the picture, people really live very, very basic. Uh, uh, there is no any infrastructure, there is no road, there is no uh, electricity or running water. Uh, there's no market, no uh, Walmart or uh, <laughs> yeah, no places for fast food, in and out. <laughs> and uh, my son loves Diet, uh, not Diet Coke, uh, he's a kid. Uh, he loves Dr. Pepper. And he said, when he comes here, he drinks pe- Dr. Pepper from the start till the end. <laughs> because he knows when he goes, he's not going to get it. So there is a lot of challenges. God blessed us, me and my wife, to have our children there. Called us in an amazing way. I really encourage you to come on Wednesday and hear my wife's testimony. Because it's just how God can change somebody from a very dark place. Uh, She was sending girls out at night. She owned an escort service to becoming a missionary. Uh, I'll be doing the same and sharing my testimony on Tuesday from the heart of Islam. You know, I was 50% Muslim. I memorized Quran and everything and just how God revealed. And I was seeking him. I wanted to know. I wanted to have that eternal, uh, everlasting assurance in my heart. And a month later after my prayer, he showed me, brought people into my life. So it's, it's God is so uh, faithful. Uh, so many difficulties. Poverty is a huge issue. You know, still people don't, they literally live on the land, you know, and live hand to mouth. There's no jobs. And, and, and you know, you get the pictures. Uh, North Sudan is different from South Sudan. The fight we have in South Sudan, it's tribal, it's political, uh, over power and money and resources. The fight before that, it was more because the church is persecuted. Muslim against uh, Christian or animus in the South Sudan. Sadly, this is not the case anymore in the South. It's brother against brother. So pray for that. But in the North, since South Sudan became independent, the North went wild persecuting the church and people who were doing ministry. Personally, I have friends 
that being kicked out of the country with their family, they were given 24 hours to leave. Their, their computers, their um, belongings were confiscated by the government because the government doesn't want them. I, I, I don't want them there. I have a friend, his name is Iman. Uh, Aman. He, he, he just disappeared. They took him. Nobody heard anything about him till today. And pray for him and for his wife. As Pastor Ross said, uh, Miriam, this lady, uh, she is a Christian. She's, she, her mom is Ethiopian, and we have a lot of intermarriages between Ethiopian and, and, and uh, North Sudanese. And her father is a Muslim. But they say that she should be a Muslim because her father is a Muslim, and she is in prison as we speak. A lot of people lose their life because of their faith in the North. Pray for the church. Pray for God to open doors because they're closing doors. Like missionaries who want to come in the country, they know. You cannot come in a pretense of a doctor or any uh, position uh, like for work. They know. They all heard it. So they just say no. They close the door. The South Sudanese who are there, they're kicked out of the country. And that country is becoming really very difficult so pray for that. There's one tribe called the Nuba tribe. They're kind of between the border and the north and the south. And they're persecuted because half of the tribe is Christian and the other half is Muslim. Um, and, and, and they are right now, there's a little fight there. So they're always bombing them. They always go to villages and shooting them. Uh, and there are some missionaries that are risking their life that live in that uh, risk place and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. But through that, the encouragement, uh, the verse in, in the book of Hebrew that Jesus promises, he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will be with you the whole time, every day. And that's where we get our encouragement. Brothers and sisters, the gospel that we have, we have, it's amazing how it can transform people. And me and my wife, we are, I'm, I'm honored to be a witness for that. Amen. You know, I'm honored to live my life as a missionary, you know. And in my testimony, you will hear I had my own agenda, my own plan. And I know many of you has that. But when God got hold of me and I saw his love, not just from scripture and reading, but practically in missionaries that were living his word and risking their life. Then I believe, because I saw it in people's lives. I mean, for that. Okay, let's go to our text. Um, just pictures give you idea how people live there. Uh, that's how houses look. Uh, we have a medical clinic, as you heard. We train our local people. These are all high school kids. There's no trained people medically, so, so we have to train them and then... Uh, give them. I'm not a doctor. My wife is not a doctor, but uh, we get uh, there's missionary doctors and volunteers that comes from here or from Kenya. Yes, and um, uh, we have two clinics. Go outreach uh, and give them. That, that I like that picture because sometimes that's our life there. Ambulance supposed to save life, right? And then you get stuck with the challenges. You know, and you really, it's like so hard. But God is so faithful. He, he, he comes through, and through these challenges, he has done many amazing things that we've seen him. He is alive and, and, and working. Uh, uh, we have a Bible school that uh, 
we, in 2012, we graduated about uh, 12 people from 50. After three years, four of them, they are in full ministry with us, uh, full-time with us. And amazing story. Uh, one um, pastor, his name Pastor Santino, literally leaving his village, his relative, and go and plant a church in a different village. And there, if you know, tribalism is huge. So for him... Uh, he got persecuted, the other tribe, they didn't want him there because he was speaking God truth. And it's like, who are you to tell us what's wrong and right? And they want to kick him out. And we start praying and we're just seeing how God starts changing the heart of the leaders, the chief, and accepting Pastor Santino. And, uh, and today, as we speak, he's planting church the next, uh, the next village to him. So God is, uh, is doing a, a great, a great job, a great work uh, there in South Sudan. Well, I will go back to our scripture from verse, uh, chapter 3 from verse um, 1. Now Peter and John, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered to the temple, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, ask for alms, and fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This is the word of God. Beautiful story. There's... We can see in this story how Peter, this is the first church, and if you read uh, the chapter, the end of the chapter before, you see the church at the time was being revived, a lot of people coming to the church, being accepting, added to the church daily. They were fellowshipping together, they were studying the word together, they were breaking communion together, they were um, um, praying uh, together. And we could see from here that Peter and John, as he tells us in the story, the prayer, the, the, the hour of prayer they were going to uh, pray at the temple. And uh, as they entered, something caught their attention. This guy who's born lame, uh, with disability, never walked in his life before. Asking for alms, asking for money, asking for a silver or gold. A lot of time in our life, that's what's happened. 
that uh, difficulties comes, the first thing we ask, it's not Jesus. Uh, in the 15 years we've been in South Sudan, and the difficulties that we go through, nobody would come and ask you for Jesus. They ask for material help, which is okay, but does that really answer the need? Is it really the real need? And we see here how Peter is, is, is looking at this guy, and he looked them purposely, intentionally, and as if he was praying, as, he's, as if he, he was being attentive and sensitive to the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit want him to do with this need that came up. Their intention was going to pray. You know, you go to pray, commune with God, worship him, bring your supplication. This guy sitting there every day asking for alms. I know he said, position himself in a church, you know, in a temple gate where people are coming with the convicted heart, you know, they're broken, and he cash in on that. Very clever, right? Very clever. And... Uh, and, and, and people obviously would give. A lot of people would give out of guilt. When I come as a missionary, it's so easy for us to show pictures, right? About Africa, about the hunger, the war, and, and, and make you feel guilty and give money. But I feel that's wrong. Absolutely, like, that's not the reason. I come so that, share what God is doing. Bless and give him all the glory. Yes, we need money. Yes, I do need your money. Yeah, in reality. <laughs> you know, but, but that's not the priority. The priority is to give him the glory and actually find out what he wants me to do. Why he has me here today sharing with you. It's not about the physical need and needing them as we see with Peter. Peter, being very sensitive with the Holy Spirit, he knew God wants to do something special here. I wonder sometimes being sensitive in the Holy Spirit, you know, how does that look like? How we become very sensitive and know, differentiate, because we know in the story he does a miracle, right? And it's not easy. It took him a really great of faith to tell him, you need Jesus, and reach out. And that's, that's an amazing trust. What would happen if you come to that uh, place? Amen. Does God do miracles today? I bet yes, he does. Yes, he does. In the clinic that where we are, one time talking of snakes, uh, <laughs> uh, we have this one day in the evening emergency. Our clinic sees, by the way, we see, as you heard, about over 100 daily for five days. And, uh, and we're often open 24 hours. The night is emergency, and people always coming with problems. And I'm so blessed we have people who are there for the right reason. They want it to be there and serve people. So this guy comes at night, and he was bitten by a viper, a puff adder, and, uh, and was brought in. And quickly, one of the community health uh, uh, workers, the nurse, nurse assistant, called me and said, come and pray for this guy. As I come, I see the other nurse carrying like a, a bowl full of blood. And he comes to me and said, look. And it was, I kid you not, not less than three liters of blood in that bowl. That guy bleed from everywhere you could imagine. And I'm like, wow, this guy, he's done. There's no way. 
to be honest, I didn't have the faith. I was praying probably out of duty as a pastor, but in my heart, full of doubt if he can make it. We pray. Actually, his father was a chief of one of the clans there. They brought a witchcraft. We had to kick the witchcraft out, and we had to threaten them and tell them, either you take him and do the witchcraft at your home, or you leave him with us, and we will pray and do the medical necessary things. We can. The only thing we could do an IV, and they allowed us, and the witchcraft left guy. And uh, we prayed, and uh, we went to bed, and I woke up early in the morning, checking, find, hope, I, I know that I'll come, I'll find him dead. And he was there. I was like, okay. And then in the afternoon, he was still hanging there. In the evening, he was still hanging. The following morning, he started coming out of unconscious. You can see and he can. And then before you know it, this guy was totally healed. Amen. It was totally healed. Obviously, us, we're like, we don't, is, it, is, is that a miracle? Yes, it is. Yet it is. God's working. The only thing that was given to this guy was just ivy. Just ivy. But God in an amazing way. The story doesn't end there. One of our pastors, he goes and takes the Jesus phone. He goes to the village around. He goes to the village of this guy. His father, the chief, dies. He becomes the chief. So one day, me and one of the pastors go to the village, and we want to start a church there. And they ask us to meet with the chief. So I go, and I see these guys with crutches. He lost his leg. And we sit down, and we'll talk with him. And then the pastor nudges me. He's like, do you remember this guy? I was like, no. We see so many people. Say, remember the snake bite? I was like, what? Yes, the snake bite. That's the guy we prayed for, and God saved him. And we start sharing the gospel and share that we, our intention to uh, plant a church in his village, Warkar. And he's absolutely saying, go ahead, and I'm behind you. And he gives us permission, and we uh, plant a church there. One of the churches, the seven churches that we've planned there. And God is so good how he comes around and he does miracle, amazing things in, in that region. I, I wish I had lots of time so that I can tell you so many miracles. But let me go back to the text here. There were so many options for Peter to do. He could, he could have taken him back to the fellowship, the Christian, because they were sharing food, they were selling their house, right? And give him money, give him food. But he didn't choose that. He could have preached and tell him, you need Jesus, and, you know, as a pastor, you know, give him the word. But he didn't do that, you know. He listened to the Holy Spirit. And though it was a very difficult thing that the Spirit told him to do, he was very sensitive and aware that God was working. And he reached out to this guy and told him, silver or gold, I do, not, I, I do not have. What I have, I give you. What do we have, church? We have amazing power of the gospel. Paul says that in Romans. I'm not ashamed of the power of the gospel. You know, in another place, he says that, that I, I came and I didn't want to know anything except Jesus Christ and crucified. And that's his message. That should be our message to everywhere here in America or even out there in Africa. You know, people need to hear that Jesus is 
the solution to some many problems that we have. Uh, one thing in Africa, there are so many, there's so many government that comes and parties with salvation slogans. Um, and uh, I'm sorry, I'm running behind of this. <laughs> and uh, these slogans that they came, like one party is called the National Salvation Front. This is actually the name of the Egypt. You remember the Arab Spring in Egypt? Yes, so one of the parties is called the National Salvation Front. In North Sudan, the government right now came by coup, and their name was the, 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 the I think it's the National uh, Salvation Revolution. The party, the government in South Sudan, uh, it's called Sudan Liberation, Sudan People Liberation, Sudan Liberation People Movement. So all these parties comes with the idea they're coming to save. You have one here, it's called Change and Hope, right? And you look back and you see, does it really work? You know, does it really work? Do they bring really salvation for people? I doubt it. I doubt it. It's only the name of Jesus. Sorry, I know maybe you guys, (laughs) some of you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So... So all these parties and all these governments comes with that promise. They're bringing salvation. They're bringing transformation. They're bringing change. But you know what? It doesn't work if it doesn't have the name of Jesus. It does not work, believe me. The funny thing, the same, same government that are coming with salvation to the people, give them two, three years, and they become the enemy number one to the people. And then other group will rise. We, these guys, we need them out. You know? So, and that's, that's our history. That's everywhere in the world. That's, that's, that's the salvation. That's the, the, the issue. We need the name of Jesus. Then I read uh, along, we go, Peter gave the name of Jesus. And then he gave three things in the rest of the chapter. You know, he started first, he came and took that miracle and told them, you know what this means. Don't look at us as if we did this. Remember Jesus, remember the Son of God, you whom handed over and, and asked for a murderer to be released. He is the one that did this miracle. He is the one that deserved the glory. It's not me, it's not John. Jesus is. And then I, I divided into three places uh, uh, that he gave them Jesus first, Jesus the healer. And he tells them here in verse 16, chapter 3, and his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness has given him this perfect, uh, perfect soundness in the presence of you all. The miracle was an evident to reach these people and to point them out to Jesus Christ. Uh, so many people in, in Africa today, they're attracted to pastors that, who, that come to the crusade of miracles. Miracles that they, they make this big and spend this thousand of dollars. And these are Christian and pastors. 
so that they just have the experience of miracle. Miracles, if they don't give glory to God and Jesus Christ, if they don't result in fruit for him, they're pointless. They're pointless. Our Lord tells us what would benefit a man if he gained the whole world and loses his soul. If in our clinic we just give medicine and we don't share Jesus, what would benefit them? You know, what would benefit them? Uh, we make it a point that our pastors share Jesus three times. You know, share the gospel with the patient. As they wait, one of the pastors will share a story. Uh, when they go to the doctor, the doctor asking him, what's the problem? We'll try to present this gospel to him. When he goes to the pharmacy, uh, the pharmacist will bring medicine, the prescription, give it to him and how to use. And he told him, you need one more thing. You see that office? There's a pastor waiting for you and he wants to pray for you and share some good news. And then it became part of prescription. And we make it a point. Yes. And so many people, like in a month we have 20, 30 people that would come to the Lord. Not counting the people that just pray for the hardship that they go through. And it blessed so many uh, ladies there. And the ladies, especially when they come and nobody prays for them, they won't live. Where's the pastor? I need prayer. And I'm glad that's now becoming a culture, becoming a habit to our people in South Sudan. Uh, you know, we come from, I'm a South Sudanese from a tribe called Dinka, and um, we worship idols. My parents and my grandparents, um, they worship, my clan worship, for example, grass. Uh, others worship animals, trees, and, and in, in the greetings, when you greet somebody, you say your name, and you say uh, which clan you come from, and which idol you worship. That's culturally. So, so to, to come out of that darkness and worship of idol is something huge. The gospel only came to this part where we are only in the 80s, only in the 80s. That's how still things very fresh in that uh, area. Uh, we'll go ahead. Uh, we're at 16. And then the second thing Peter does, he points out Jesus is not just a healer, but he is a redeemer. In verse 19, he tells us that, Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. I love that word, be blotted out, so that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So Peter here makes sure that Jesus is not just a healer for sickness, is not just is going to change your life. Remember how those four friends brought that lame guy to him. And he, was, he admired the face of the friends of the lame guy that was brought in a mat. But when he asked to heal him, he first he told them, your sins are forgiven. Jesus sees the heart, the main problem, the main issue, and he goes right to it. And this is one of the, Peter was he saying, you know, that you need Jesus, the Redeemer. You know, he died and he purchased you and he's going to bring time of refreshment. Not just that, but I'm Jesus, the Messiah, the promise, the one that who's going to bring hope and everlasting life. And uh, he presented that from this uh, miracle. So it's the name of Jesus that, that we need, the name of Jesus that we need to preach and that we make that very, uh, sorry, I'm 
mix up these. There's a verse uh, in chapter 4 and verse 21. And we remember this, um, a 12 story. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And that's Jesus Christ. Glory uh, to him. Um, one, one of the things that God is doing in, 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 our, in our place is that uh, not just the gospel is being given, but one of the biggest problems, as I say, physical need, people will come and they try to pull you and they want you to, uh, to solve their problem. And we always wanted to point them to Jesus. So one of the things that became the big thing for us, and we want to be more involved, our church, our clinic, and every activity that we do, something called CHE, Community Health Evangelism. And basically, it is evangelism, discipleships, and then community-based development program that will prevent disease. Some of the patients that come to our clinic, they have the same problem, like three times a month, they will come with the same problem, you know, uh, and, and they're given the medication, they will feel well, and they come back again with the same problem. So the problem is not the medicine, the problem is in the habit. And we feel that the gospel that Jesus gave us is addressed a holistic issue, not just their relationship with each other, their relationship with God, but even the challenges that they come uh, across to, like uh, uh, having clean water, like washing their hands, like having treated mosquito net, like you know having a trash pit, and that's what we call community health uh, evangelism. Che. And we make it a purpose for our ministry. That's where we want to be. Discipleship. Train. Uh, three guys we train and then they go to this village. And then they make a committee. And then they find out the problems in that village. And find out the local resources that God has given them. So that they can address and solve these issues. And not to be dependent from people coming out outside to help their problem. And unfortunately, that became a reality to a lot of people in Africa. They're dependent on help that coming from uh, outside. There's a really good book called When Helping Hurts and Addressing That Issue. And I read this quote from them. Poverty is rooted in broken relationship. So the solution to poverty is rooted in the power of Jesus' death and resurrection to put in all the right relationship again. That's the truth. That's the truth. Uh, The UN, uh, their way of solving issues there is asking for money and bringing food for people and handing it free. Very good. Very nice. But... Doing that, they create another problem. People became dependent on, on, on that. They become lazy. And already the culture support that. The men in Africa, you know, they sit under trees all day long playing gambler, you know, one, two, three. And the women, there are hard-working women back home in the church, in the community, giving birth to children, bringing firewoods, bringing water and cooking and taking and raising uh, the kids. And the men, sadly, were just laying our backside 
and, and some of the reason because of the culture. And that's the other thing. You see, the gospel will come and change the things that are wrong in the culture. Like we sell our ladies, basically, we pay, you pay uh, 100 cows uh, to, to get a wife. And you have to pay, it's like buying a house here for you guys. You pay a 20% and then the rest, of the, the rest of your life you are in debt paying off. You know, the, I was so blessed that God brought me a wife. And uh, I joke and I say, and I love my wife. Uh, I joke and I say, I only pray, I paid three plastic cows to her father. <laughs> and it doesn't reflect, it doesn't reflect. She is, it doesn't reflect how she values to me. Absolutely, she is uh, value the world to me. But I told, I promised her, her father, and I told her, you come to South Sudan, and I'll give you 100 cows. And I'm praying, that don't let him come. <laughs> he didn't come so far. So I'm good. <laughs> I'm good, I'm good. But the culture... The culture need be transformed. And the only thing that can transform it is the gospel. It's the gospel. Part of some of our pastors who graduated from school, they're going to be the first generation. We discuss this all the time. They're going to give their daughters without asking any cows. You know? <laughs> and, uh, and it's a challenge because marriage is a family thing. It's not always you alone. And that's a big challenge uh, uh, to us. So... It's true. There's so many broken relationships that need to be fixed. Then the physical things Jesus will put in order and meet things in order. As I finish up, that's the community health evangelism program that we do. As I finish up, I wanted to ask you, what do you have? I know we all have Jesus, but what kind of Jesus that you give to people when People come to you. You know, God, we were working uh, in town yesterday and, and these two homeless came and asked for dollars. And I remember this story. Peter, what he did, he said, silver or gold, I don't have it. You need Jesus. Make it a point. Make it a purpose, you know, that goes to the heart. See beyond the physical need that we give Jesus. And Jesus, he is the redeemer. He is the healer. He is the Messiah, the one that gives us hope and eternal life. Our biggest need in our ministry, and I feel God has brought us here to share it with you, is people, God will raise more people to come and disciple some of the local people so that they can take the gospel message to their own people. I know one of the blessings of Calvary Chapel is the word is being taught really seriously. And so many of you here, you know the word more than you do, more than you think that you know the word. You are equipped in amazing way. A lot of pastors, a lot of churches in Africa don't have even an ounce of what you guys get. Just good teaching, good meals, you know. And sometimes we become just lazy and we want to be fed and fed and fed. You know what? God wants you to take that step of faith and put it in action. What Jesus, what kind of Jesus do you have? We have programs like Che that need people to come and disciple and train other people. We have the medical clinic, doctors. 
volunteers. You don't have to be even medically trained. You can come and pray. You know, we have, we have a big issue in Nairobi. Our supplies come from all from East Africa. We desire a logistician that can becoming our back support. And uh, Susie and I, we do all that. Even from here, stay at night and try to do some logistics. The field, the harvest is huge and the workers is few indeed. Let's pray together. Father, Lord, uh, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you that it's through your name, Lord, that's, that salvation is achieved, Father. I pray, Lord, that you'd bless your saints, you'd be with them, Lord, and encourage them, Lord, that they would have that power and wisdom to take that step, to proclaim your gospel wherever you call them, Father. Thank you for speaking to our heart. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. May you stand and worship. You have been listening to The Rock Podcast. Our regular services are held on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at calvertherock.org.